Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Millicent Ravello, and I'm here today with one spectacular Dr. Jay Calvert. How are you? I am doing really well. Good. I am happy that as of right now, I don't need a tummy tuck. <laughs> but notice, notice the qualification. As, as of, right, of right, right now. now you I'm did not, not need that, a tummy tuck. That's not common. Never say never. Never totally. say never. But today's topic is tummy tucks. Uh, tummy tuck 101. We, tummy tuck 101. Bringing it back to the basics. We're trying really hard to like <laughs> just do little small short podcasts with this. It's not worth um, it. But we're, we're going to do this one. We're going to keep it short and sweet. What you need to know about tummy tucks because we do a lot of them and a lot of people really need and want tummy tucks. So from the basics, what is a tummy tuck? The fancy medical term for a tummy tuck is epidominoplasty. And basically it's, it's three or four maneuvers. It's a procedure done to remove excess skin of the abdominal wall. It usually includes tightening of your stomach muscles, so the rectus muscles, which I'll talk about in rectus. a second. Rectus. Damn near killed us. <laughs> what? <laughs> so Sorry, obscure I reference I'm I had to do it. unaware of. It's okay. Don't okay. Worry. The rectus muscles are brought back together, and then plus minus some liposuction. Most people usually need a little bit of liposuction, at least of the flanks, but sometimes of the abdomen as well. And then the belly button is repositioned in space. So... Let's yeah, break it's all that those things. I mean, a little bit. So, who needs the tummy tuck? So, making the diagnosis of who's getting this, because by the way, there's lots of ways to do this, and there's lots of variations of abdominoplasties depending on what you your diagnosis is, and right. uh, that's always. <laughs> I mean, sounds crazy to say this, but rule number one in medicine is make a diagnosis. Make a diagnosis, but this one's pretty straightforward. I mean, there are some things where it's like, ah, does she need this? Does she need that? But like, yeah, if you yeah, got the Dunlap. You kind of know when you, you someone needs a tummy tuck. Yeah, the Dunlap. The Dunlap. The Dunlap like the, over. The, your belly Dunlap over your belt. You yeah. Need a tummy tuck, right? I know if you dirty your yeah. words to describe that, but yeah, the Dunlap. Um, <laughs> so when it's when it's hanging, <laughs> it's hanging. We it's want to take it off. That's not good. But yeah. the you know the, the classic person who needs a tummy tuck is a mommy, someone who's True. had you know one, two, three, four kids, and their skin has been stretched out over time. Doesn't have the same elasticity to it. Lacticity. Lacticity. <laughs> that's that's what Dave says. My trainer no. calls it lacticity. He goes, it's, lacticity is no good in your... No. Laxity. <laughs> so they have some stretched out skin that may or may not dunlap over some areas. There you go. They have, let's talk about this rectus muscle. So the abdominal muscles, your six pack muscles called your rectus abdominis muscles. They, so they're, they're They're separated. You know, they're supposed to be tight right next to each other all the way down the midline. If you have, say, a hernia, a hernia is when those muscles separate completely, like uh, through and through, and your abdominal contents can actually come through the muscles, and then they rest under your skin. There's a hole in the the abdominal wall. That is a hernia. Erectus diastasis, the muscle bellies themselves have separated, but the connective tissue that lies on top of them is still intact. That's the fascia. And so the intestinal contents don't come out. They don't herniate, but the rectus muscles are still very much separated. It's that lower pooch. That's what lower we're pooch talking about. Or, or the upper. You know, I have a decent amount of weight loss patients. Anybody true, that's true. gained a lot of weight, lost a lot of weight over time, the upper abdominal muscles. If you've had a big baby, the upper abdominal muscles will separate. True. But the, uh, the, the real reason for that, though, is that in the lower abdomen, there's less 
abdominal wall yes. layers below this this one line uh, as you go low towards the abdomen there's less layers of the abdominal wall three in the upper two in the lower and basically the reason that is is so that the babies can can grow can grow and there's right. there's some room for them to s- stretch out the abdomen however they also stretch out the the rectus the the linea alba basically that line, the line between down the middle between yeah. the six-pack muscles it gets stretched out it can be as wide as i've seen them 12 15 centimeters oh yeah wide. they can be really wide and in the average postpartum mom there may be a little bit of separation which they may or may not like but it's not you know debilitating but there are some women especially if you've had twin gestations or if you are a petite woman and had a large baby there or are twins. some or yeah there are some people that their abdominal muscles are just destroyed and you can see it they might be really small women they might be fit they might have very little fat but their abdomen just sticks way out they still look like they're pregnant and they complain of several very common things they have back pain because they've lost their ability to use their core in any functional way. They can't do core exercises. Even when they try and do a sit-up, their muscles just don't work properly enough to actually do the muscle contraction that they need. Yeah, so they come in, in the with, wrong place. They come in with functional problems yeah, because their muscles sure. are not working and coordinating as they should. So that's, that is a true rectus diastasis that needs to be repaired and can be repaired and is repaired at the time of the tummy tuck. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the the trick is to make that diagnosis of how much you need to do, you know, because there are people that need tummy tucks who haven't had children, you know, haven't had babies, and so they uh, they don't necessarily have that right. wide rectus diastasis. So then you're talking about like a skin only abdominal right. yeah, But If I'm there and I'm looking at the muscle, I just I put it back together. I put absolutely. some sutures down make it because. It's only going to make it better. It's going to be flatter. Well, it narrows their waist. It's going to be tighter. Exactly. It brings everything in. I think it's been, someone's marketed it as an internal corset. Like it's just, it's a rectus diastasis repair, people. It's what it is. But you have that. Then you have the skin, removal of the extra skin. This is where it can get kind of um, a little bit specific of procedure because you can have a... Um, a traditional classic tummy tuck, which takes the skin basically from the pubic bone to just above the belly button, that whole lower abdominal area of skin. For women that don't have that much extra skin, sometimes you can just do a a mini tummy tuck, which is skin removal of sort of just lower abdomen. You can't really go all the way up to the top of the belly button. But if you go all the way to the top of the belly button, then you have to translocate the belly button. That means that after you've removed all of that extra skin, you make a new incision for the belly button to come through. So if you've never looked at a belly button inside of someone, it's sometimes hard to understand, but the belly button is like a stalk and it's attached to your abdominal wall, to your rectus muscles. And there's a stalk that can be anywhere from, you know, one inch to you know eight inches, depending on how much weight you've gained That's over time. That's an awfully big stalk. I've seen them. I wonder what a big stalk you have. Yeah. That is, that is really It is thick. big. We have <laughs> they, a big like that in Pittsburgh. They do. They, they, oh, they yeah. can. If your belly gets big and you gain a lot of weight, that belly button stretches with you. Your belly button doesn't like snap back and go away when you gain weight it stretches with you. So it's always attached, mostly, unless you've had surgery, it's always attached to your abdominal wall and then it just has its opening at the skin. So when we do the translocation of it, we just cut around the skin, release it all the way back down to the abdominal wall and then we can put it wherever we want. So once we have the skin 
in place. We've removed it. We've tightened everything up. We make a little incision in the skin and bring the belly button out. Bring the out, belly button through it. Out through that. Yeah. That's cool. The, the abdominal wall skin from above the belly button basically comes down like a window shade yeah. down to the, the pubic bone to the where the lower incision is. And then you bring the belly button through that flap. Right. And then, then you have a new belly button location, but it's still your belly button. We didn't make a new one for you. No. And, and that's the thing is that you have to... Like and there there are some options to like float the belly button depending on like the skin laxity and all that, but that's not for one hundred and one. That's today. not one. That's not our one hundred and one <laughs> discussion. I'm not sure an eight inch stalk is either, but I'm, I'm going to let that go for now. <laughs> so that's so those are the so those two components. You have the repair of the muscles. You have the excision of the extra skin and you have well that's three and now we have the belly button and then the last one is the liposuction and not everybody needs the liposuction you have some women that are really just extra skin that's all they have all they need is the muscle and the skin repaired but most people have a little bit of extra fat that can be removed if you have a lot of extra fat um, sometimes you need a full 360 liposuction which i do pretty commonly so i flip you over put you on your stomach first do liposuction yeah. of your back of the flanks in the back bring you back around liposuction the flanks from the front liposuction the whole abdomen and then start with the tummy tuck so i'll have these cases which are scheduled to start at 7 30 for a tummy tuck and i don't actually cut any skin until like almost noon because i'm spending three <laughs> or four hours just doing the liposuction first so Liposuction depends on how much extra fat you still have there. Um, and then, yeah, you put it all back together. Do your lipo, do your skin, do your muscle, do your belly button, and that's your tummy tuck. There you go. You go sew it up. Uh, drainless tummy tuck. Drainless tummy tuck. So that's a, possi- that's a possibility. So typically, traditionally, when you have a tummy tuck, you put one or two drains in to collect the fluid that your body is going to make after surgery. A drainless tummy tuck is exactly what it sounds like. Instead of putting drains, you put a series of uh, placating sutures, which sort of sutures the upper skin to the abdominal wall and obliterates any potential dead space that could make or create fluid. You and I both love doing that. <laughs> but, then, but then we put in drains too. But then we put in drains. I, That's because I like to wear a belt I, with my suspenders. Have yes, varying opinions on the drain list. Most of my patients, like I just mentioned, need a lot of liposuction. I do a lot of weight loss patients, so there's a lot of skin, and they're just not great candidates for a drainless tummy tuck because they just have so much fluid. And so I, I put drains in them. I take them out two, three weeks, and you know what? My stroma rate is like nothing. I right. I can't even remember the last time I had a seroma. Seroma is a collection of fluid in the body that can accumulate if you don't have a drain in right, place. Right, because you use drains. Because I use drains. If I have someone that's having not a lot of liposuction, just a little mommy that needs a little of this, I will do the plicating sutures. I'll do the quilting sutures. But I still leave one drain because you know why? Why not? I don't like seromas. <laughs> so this is the thing. Like This is like a big marketing thing in the plastic surgery world where everyone's like, oh, you know, why would you have drains for your tummy tuck? Well, because I don't want to stick needles in the abdominal wall to right. fish out seromas that happen even though you've done a drainless tummy tuck. I mean, the, the theory is that if you do all these internal sutures, you don't have to put a drain. And that may be true. I mean, there may be some people out there who never, ever get seromas. Right. That's right. But you know and, what? And monkeys might fly out of my butt. Yeah. I just, it's, it's not a big deal. It's really not. No, it's not a big deal. But that's why, like, this, once again, it comes down to this this marketing piece that is really unfair to the public. Because 
Who cares if you have a train? <laughs> like, don't you want a great yeah, result? Yeah, I know. It might you have be a train annoying. for a week, 10 days, yeah. and then it's over? But then it's over, and you never have to worry about getting a fluid collection again, and those first two weeks are kind of crappy anyways. You're recovering, and you're not feeling great, so it's like, it's like it's not... So what I'd love to see is a study thing. where you take all those drainless tummy tucks and scan them and find out how many have chronic seromas. Mm. I bet, I bet, and this is my opinion, not saying I've done this, but I bet it's very high. I bet it's on the order of 40%. Perhaps for another discussion. Okay, for another I know podcast. it's not one It's not one You're Sorry. like you're like jumping off. to like two o two. Like, oh God, you know, just you know, some of these things just get you, you know they get under my skin and they make me go, that's not right. You shouldn't do that to the public. You shouldn't. You shouldn't use medical knowledge to create some sort of thinking some sort of like it's gaslighting is what that is it's like creating an altered reality that just isn't there like getting a great tummy tuck is all about getting a great result like your results are spectacular i love your results they're amazing when you're talking six months after the operation who cares if you use the dream they don't care it doesn't even matter and so like to gaslight the the entire public about like oh i only do drain this Sorry to my friends who who do Only this. Do dream this, but you know it's true. It's like you know, like how about saying like, look at my results; they're awesome. Yeah, you know, like that's what you should be marketing. You know, I take my time. I do a great job. I make the proper diagnoses. I sew things correctly. I, 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 I contour the abdomen. I, I, I sew these muscles so properly. Blah 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 blah. Like that's what you should be marketing is that you're actually good at it, rather than like I do this technique. My results aren't so great. But I do this technique. That's why you should have it with me. And that's how it sounds to me <laughs> when I'm listening. It's like, well, I really can't do this operation very well. But man, I got this technique and it's better than everybody else's. So, you know, just put that in your pipe and smoke it, people. Sorry. Are you done? I'm done. Okay. I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> I, it just, it, 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 you know, like I've been doing this for so long. I've just seen so much, you know, BS, you know, like, a, like it's just, just say it like it is. Just be transparent. Thank you. So tell me, text one one. Yes. Do I? <laughs> this, is why we, you this, can why, this is why we struggle. I know. I can't do it. Okay. We're, okay. We're, we're good. Right, we're good. So, <laughs> the okay. Let's go back to one Can more you thing. If we okay, did this okay. live, by the way, like, don't you think it'd be kind of funny? Like if we had like questions from the audience, the audience while we're doing, we would never like audience we would participation. Never finish. One hundred and one would never. We'd never get to one hundred and two. Never get to one hundred and two. Right. But the one thing I do want to go back to because after I said it, I was like, I really need to qualify this. The amount of liposuction that I do with a tummy tuck, um, there is a limit. So this is where it goes back to who's a candidate for a tummy tuck, because there are patients which not often. But it happens that I will deny them a tummy tuck because they just are too big. They're too thick. They're too big. Because yeah, that, that flap the is, flap too, is thick. too thick. So here's yep. the deal when you're taking off big sections of skin. If you have a large amount of fat in that, we call it the flap, the stuff we're suturing together, the two sides that we're suturing together, if they are really thick because there's a big layer of fat there, they are not going to heal. They will form a seroma. They will break down. They will get infected. You will have bleeding. Like These are known problems. And so if you are particularly large, you have two options. You can lose weight. You can have weight loss surgery, or you can do a staged liposuction procedure where I liposuction the heck out of your abdomen, get you a lot smaller, and then let you come back and have the skin removed. So 
I can do it at the same time to a certain limit, but if you have a lot of fat, the tummy tuck is not for you. You need to lose the weight first, and then you can come back and have the tummy tuck. Because the tummy tuck is supposed to be a contouring procedure. It's not really like removal of fat procedure, although I do that also. No, I mean, and those staged approaches are great they're great they really yeah. are it's expensive it's, it's time, two surgeries it's two surgeries like i yeah. get it but you know if you're if you're into the project of you know revamping you then this is the way to go that's sort of how you have to do yeah, it, it because does. it makes a big difference otherwise it's a big problem and then the other thing that sort of goes along with that because if you have a lot of fat on the outside there's a strong chance there's a lot of fat on the inside of the abdomen as well. And that we can't do anything about. So this is what's called visceral fat. It's the fat that's wrapped around your organs and your intestines. And it kind of gives you that poochy outy abdomen. And so even if I liposuction the heck out of you, even if I bring your muscles together as tight as possible, if you still have a lot of fat inside your abdomen, it's still going to stick way out. So that kind of has right to here, be dude. addressed <laughs> as well. <laughs> or just realize to to you're going to have a poochy abdomen. Yeah, that's that's the beer belly. That's, you know, it's just, it's hard. Guilty. It's hard to bring in sometimes. I know. It, you know. You know what the problem with beer mm-hmm. is? It tastes really good. That's the biggest problem with it. Oh, yeah. That's it's why it's called so beer belly. You know, I know. It's hard. It's hard. But that's that's that's, a, it. that's the technique of a tummy tuck in a nutshell. That's who gets a tummy tuck. How long for recovery, Doctor Ravello? Recovery. Because I want to be back to work in seven days. How's that sound? Recovery is can be rough depending on how much work we did. If you are someone who is, you know, a mommy, had a little bit of skin, maybe a little bit of fat. Not too bad. You know, the first week is the roughest. The first week you have to sleep in a reclined position. You have to walk a little bent over. And that's just to take the tension off of the incision line. After a week, you can start to stretch out, sleep however you want, move around however you want. If you have drains or coming out about week one, two, three, if it's a really big case. And usually by week three, that's when people are starting to feel okay. They're moving around okay. They're standing up straight. If they have a desk job, maybe back to work. But no heavy lifting, no strenuous exercise for a good six weeks. Yeah, it's a, it's a three-week it's acute recovery. At it's, least. It's rough. It's rough. And if you've had one of the massive like makeovers with all of the liposuction and the 13-centimeter rectus diastasis repair – just double those numbers because it's going to be a little bit longer. But I guarantee you it's so worth it. These patients like hate me in the moment, the initial week or two. But then by six weeks, they're like, this is the best decision I ever made. I mean, I had someone tell me just yesterday, like, you changed my life. I'm so confident. I have a better sex life than I ever thought I would have. Like, I'm dating again. Like, And these are just people who... You know, just normal people, but it made such a huge difference in how they were able to present themselves to the world. There's huge confidence boost. They feel more comfortable in their skin and their clothes. So they feel more comfortable in their less skin. In their le- <laughs> less skin that they have. <laughs> sure. So it's a very, I think, a very, very rewarding surgery for just about everyone that has it done. It's one of those. It, it, the before and afters on these are always like, whoa, that looks yeah. so amazing, you know. And yeah. it, and it is. It, you go from like, you know, just kind of like round, normal, dough, yeah, you know, sort of body, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my god, like yeah. where's my bikini? You know, right. it's it's very cool, and and it does. It takes, you know. 
it takes a commitment on the patient's part and mm-hmm. on the surgeon's part. Right. You got to really commit to that recovery. This is not like a, you know, in and out kind of thing. And that brings us to complications. We always review complications. Um, I would say this is the one operation where the risk profile is a little bit higher than probably anything else we do. Yep. That being said, it's still low risk especially the properly chosen patient, but you have a little bit higher risk of all things related to anesthesia, just from the length of the surgery. If we're taking off a lot of fat, doing a lot of liposuction, there's volume changes, blood pressure issues, your heart has to be able to handle it. And there are some systemic complications such as blood clots, which are very real. So due to how tight we make your stomach, due to the positioning we put you in afterwards, the blood flow coming back through your venous system is compromised and you're a higher risk of getting blood clots in your legs, which can then travel to your lungs. And I have seen that in two patients of mine. Um, One was a cosmetic tummy tuck, one was just a kind of a reconstructive situation. Um, but they did everything they were supposed to. They got their anticoagulation. You know, they, they walked, but they, they did develop. One got a blood clot in his leg. One actually had a PE in her lungs. So just things to know. This is why we ask you to walk around after surgery and be really, really vigilant about that because that's going to keep your blood flow moving. Yeah, you gotta be you got to be mobilized pretty quickly because you want to be you got to get that blood moving. I mean, yeah. the, the the tightening of the abdomen around the the veins, you know, that return the blood to the heart is real, and that's what I think is a big part of this. So, yeah, you want to be. You got to move. You got to move. I send all of my <laughs> patients that I do here in Beverly Hills. They all go to aftercare for one night, so they go to a fancy hotel with a personal nurse. Only for that reason, because yep. I want them walking. I want them up and moving around. Um, breathing can also be an issue because you've been pulled really tight. It hurts to take deep breaths. So the nurses will encourage you to take the deep breaths and keep your lungs from collapsing and getting pneumonia and all that bad stuff. So the recovery part is very real. It's going to be a little uncomfortable. I'm going to kick your butt a little bit and make you do some of these things. But it's all to improve the recovery and decrease your chances of complications. Sounds good. Yeah. I think, I think we kind of nailed the 101 version. The 101. Sorry about the detour. <laughs> Sorry wanna, about the rant. I want to apologize for my detour. Dr. I want to apologize on just, behalf of Dr. Kelbert. I, I really couldn't help myself. <laughs> Stay tuned for the Drainless <laughs> Tummy Tuck <laughs> podcast. We will, we will jump right on that. <laughs> but for now. This is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. If you like what you heard on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast and want to get in touch with either Dr. Ravello or myself, this is how to do it. You can reach me at the website, RavelloPlasticSurgery.com. You can reach out to the office directly through the website with any questions or consult requests, or you can call the office directly at 310-954-1355. And you can reach me on Instagram at Ravello Plastic Surgery. And to reach me, the phone number is 310-777-8800. My website is drcalvert.com, drcalvert.com. Instagram, Dr. J. Calvert. And of course, you may want to check out our YouTube channel for the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, which is simply that, Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Hope to see you all in the office very soon.